Would you go to 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, please? 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. When I've been with you on Sundays, we are talking about the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit. We read in the NIV, 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. He said, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? We went into some detail last time I was with you about what that means. Don't don't change the words. Uh, For instance, sometimes people read that and say, then they say, well, that means they won't be saved. That's not what he said. So don't change the words. Just say what he said. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you don't fully understand it, you don't fully understand it. But you still say it exactly the way he said it. Won't inherit. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, he said, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. He uses that phrase again. And what you'll find as he goes on in the passage, he's talking about yielding to your flesh. Can yielding to the flesh cost you? Yes, it can. And he goes on to say, verse 11, and that is what some of you were. That whole list he just named off. And there's no need in debating about is one of them worse than the other. You don't want to be in the list. Right? And such, the King James says, such were, were. Some of you. Just because you were, doesn't mean you are. And we talked about this sometime back in the previous series, that it's not just what you do, it's how you end up. It's what you do after. It's what you do last. So you could, uh, you know, make all kind of mistakes and be, you know, act in a very ungodly way, live a very ungodly life. But if you'll repent, I said, if you'll repent, you can receive cleansing, washing. That's what he said. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. All of us have missed it. All of us, the Bible said, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so you'll see some people get so uh, haughty and so holier than thou about somebody that's making some mistakes in their life. And they did it themselves years ago. They say, yeah, but that was before I got saved. Well, have they got saved yet? Or have you made any mistakes since you were saved? (laughs) You know, that's just hypocrisy, right? No, such were some of you. You used to be that. But now, somebody say, but now, I'm washed, I'm sanctified, 
I'm justified. That means you're right with God. You're right with God. Your sins and iniquities, he doesn't remember anymore. He's not holding them against you. You are washed. You're either washed or you're not. You're either made right or you're not. And if you've received him and you believe on him, you are. And if you are, and he doesn't remember all the mistakes and sins, you quit bringing them up. Right? (laughs) Quit bringing them up to him. He doesn't remember them anymore. Why? Somebody says, yeah, but what I did was bad. Yeah, but the blood is more powerful. The blood of the lamb is more powerful. That was the only thing in the universe that could redeem you. The Bible said we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from our, you know, previous lifestyle. You, there wasn't enough money in the world or on multiple planets that could equal the value of a soul. The scripture says the price of a soul, it ceases forever. That's how valuable a soul is. Because it's an eternal being. You're housed in this flesh tabernacle, but this is a temporary condition. You are a being that will exist eon after eon. Somewhere doing something. And if you're smart, it'll be with God. Is that right? You don't want to go the other way. And if you reject God, there's only one other group to be with. And it wouldn't be that God sent you there. If you don't want him, there's only one other place. One other group. How many say, I want him. I I want him. I want to be with him. And you can be. He said, such were some of you, but you're washed, sanctified, justified. Now verse 12 in the NIV brings this out. Everything is permissible for me. He is quoting them. Paul, the Spirit of God through Paul, is referring to things they said. The church, the people at the church at Corinth. And you'll find that true throughout the previous chapter 5 and 6 and 7 and 8. They had asked him questions about the man who was living with his stepmother. If that was okay or not, (laughs) they were asking him questions about, was it okay to go to these false temple because they had good buffets and the food was cheap? (laughs) Was it okay to eat at these places or to buy food in the markets that had been sacrificed to idols? They asked him questions in chapter 7 about being married, being divorced being remarried, all these kind of things. They asked him multiple questions. And so uh, on more than one occasion, he's quoting to them what they said and then responding with the answer. And that's why the NIV words this like this, that they were saying, everything is permissible for me. Then he says, well, but not everything's beneficial. And so he repeats it again. Everything is permissible for me. This was a mantra at the church at Corinth. They had gotten the revelation of grace. 
Are y'all listening? But they didn't get the whole story. And, and what they're saying is, hey, everything's okay. Everything is permissible. We're not under any kind of law or do's or don'ts or rules. And uh, he said, well, but not, you're not to be mastered by anything. The Spirit of God is helping them to see, no, you're going too far with this. And they went on, this is also a phrase apparently of theirs, food for the stomach and stomach for the food. In other words, you know, eat up. That's what the stomach was made for. Eat up. That's what food was made for. (laughs) He said, but God will destroy, and actually that's a strong word, that's a King James word, he will render useless or do away with them both. There's coming a time when we won't have digestion like we do now. Somebody said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, how, we, we know there will be eating. Jesus ate in his resurrected body. One of the things we're told to look forward to is the great marriage supper of the Lamb, right? And there's going to be trees that have fruit by the river of life, and you can take and eat of uh, the fruit of the tree of life. So, but how's that going to work? And I'd have to say, I don't know. (laughs) But I'll tell you this, and you don't usually hear me say this kind of thing. I think... (laughs) So you heard that part, right? I think there will be evaporation of excess. That if there's more than is needed of a thing, it'll just evaporate. Now you can ponder that any way you want to. (laughs) But uh, we have evaporation in this world right now. That was part of God's original creation, and that's how things that might be in solid form or in liquid form over a period of time, they're not even there anymore. Where'd they go? They evaporated. But anyway, there's going to be a radical difference between the way things are now and the way things will be then. Our bodies will be changed and become incorruptible. That means they cannot deteriorate. They cannot age. Mm. How about that? Cannot deteriorate. So they won't be subject to disease or or infirmity of any kind. And so if you're going to get your healings, you need to get them now. Because later on you won't even need them. I've heard preachers sometimes say, well, they were healed in death. No, they weren't. Amen. No, you're not healed in death. Amen. And later on, you won't need healing. Because when your body's changed, it won't be subject to these things anymore. Do we have something to look forward to? Amen. But then he goes on to say, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. 
Now what he's dealing with at this church at Corinth, and this is so relevant for us today, is people saying, and these are church-going people now, saying it really doesn't matter what we do with the body because it's temporary and, you know, I mean, the stomach was made for eating and the food was made to put in the stomach. And they went further that the body was made for sex and sex for the body. Y'all are too quiet. <laughs> and so uh, he, he uses these two things, eating and sex. And they are very similar, these two things. You'll find in the Song of Solomon numerous references comparing sex to eating. Both are appetites and desires. And so they're saying, and you've got to remember where they came from. None of these people in Corinth grew up Christian. Christian wasn't available, right? Until Jesus went to the cross. And so for generations prior, they had temples to Diana, temples to Apollo, temples to all the pantheon of gods and goddesses. And that's how they grew up. And their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents worshipped these false gods. And one of the big things about all of that was um, there were temple prostitutes, men and women. And part of going to worship was paying these prostitutes and orgies. And, and you'd pig out on all kind of foods and just have sex with everything you could. And, and that's how they lived. So now, they are saved. Paul has preached the gospel to them. And they heard that they're under grace, not under the law, not under a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. So they went, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> because we can keep, you know, they're still having, you know, the, the pig outs and, and the orgies right down the corner there. And so if it doesn't really matter, we can be saved and still pig out and still go to the orgies. And the Holy Spirit saying, no. No. Your body has been bought with a price. Amen. Come on, can you keep reading this? He said, do you not know, verse 15, your bodies are members of Christ himself. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he that unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? For it said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All of the sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Now this is completely contradictory to the mantra you hear in the world, even on the news, on shows, in our country, around the world, people say, it's my body. What I do with my body is my business, 
and nobody else's, well then you must not be a Christian. Are y'all listening? If you're not a Christian, okay, you can do whatever you want to, obviously. But if you are a believer, your body is not your own. How many believe the Bible here? Say it out loud, I am a believer. I am a Christian. And my body does not just belong to me. It's not my own. I've been bought with a price. I am to glorify God in my body. So we are to check in with him on everything we do with our body. Asking him, is it okay to do this? Or is it not okay to do this? And you know, to their merit, they were asking. Right? They're young believers. They got no background in the word. And they're asking. And the Spirit of God is telling them through Paul that no, it's not okay to do all these things and just pig out and just run after everybody sexually. It's not okay. Your body is not your own. It's a part of Christ and it's been bought and paid for with a price and you are to glorify God in your body. Say it out loud. Glorify God with your body. In your body. Now two things we went over in the beginning of this series I want to remind you of them. Two big things that are life changing in this regard. Number one, you must stop despising your own body. You must stop that. You must become thankful that you have a body. You lose your body, you leave the planet. You cannot stay here. You, you lose your body or your body stops functioning, this life is over. You're done with this. You'll not be able to do anything else. And you know the previous series we talked about finishing our course. Running our entire race. Finishing our whole course. And that's part of what this series now is about. In order to do that you've got to stay in your body long enough to do that. To finish your course. And so uh, notice that phrase the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The more your body is for the Lord, the more right he has to take care of your body. Can you see this? And when you realize my body's not my own, I can't just fill it full of drugs and that's okay. I can't just abuse it with every kind of thing. I can't just neglect it and mistreat it because it's my body. No, it's his body. And he should have a say. And what we do or don't do with it. And even though it's in a fallen state. And it's in a corruptible state. It's this body. The one you can touch right now. This body. That you'll have forever. It will be glorified. When the trumpet sounds. If it's not this body. Then there would be no need for any dead to be raised. 
If it's just going to be a different body created out of different substance and this one is done and gone, there would be no resurrections. There would be no bodies coming out of graves. But according to the word, the trumpet's going to sound and it wouldn't matter if your body had been laying in a grave for 800 years. And they had built a skyscraper over the top of the cemetery 200 years ago, and nobody even knew it was there. Your body's coming out of there. Somebody said, how in the world could that happen? Because God made it. He created it. He created matter. He created energy. He created life. If he can create it, he can revive it. And he can change it. And the Bible said, we will be changed in a moment at the twinkling of an eye as fast, as quick. What? This mortal will put on immortality. This corruption will put on incorruption and we'll be caught up together with the Lord. And so shall we ever be. Whoo, ever, ever. That means you'll have a body now that can withstand the ages, that can endure age after age. What's happening right now is the shortest thing you and I will ever do. This life, even if it's a hundred years plus, it's the blink of an eye, it's a mist, it's a vapor, the scripture says, compared to eternity, and you and I will soon be done with this. It's important that we make the right choices now and that we live not just to pursue the flesh but we live for him so no, number one we said stop despising your body be thankful for it and we talked about secondly your words your words over yourself so important that you say the right things over your body over your being. Without even talking, people tend to jump and focus on diet, exercise, supplements, procedures, whatever this and that. If you don't get the things I'm talking to you about, the other will not fix it. Amen. No matter how much you do or don't do. The spiritual is always much more important and powerful than the natural. Everybody said out loud, put your hands on your, on your body somewhere. Said out loud, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord for, my for my body. If I didn't have a functioning body, couldn't be on the earth. I couldn't have any more life down here. I have any, more life. Any, more any more opportunities to serve you, to serve. Be, of be of service to your church, to your, church. Your, kingdom, your kingdom, your people. Thank you. And I will. With your, help, With your help, be thankful for it, be, for it. be a good steward of it. Show me how to see my own body, how to talk about it, how to treat it, how to care for it, how to handle it, that I may finish my course in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would, over to 
Well, let me read this and then, then we'll go there. We're going to Romans 16. But you'll notice in the, in the phrase we just read, he said, uh, the belly for foods and food for the belly. Now go to Romans, the 16th chapter, and notice that phrase is mentioned other places in the scriptures. Romans 16 and 17. He said, I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. If people don't respect the word, you should limit your time with them. That's what the scripture says. Right? You actually can detect people who are lost by this. Lost people do not respect the word of God. They don't respect the gospel. And they don't respect God. They don't respect Jesus. That's an indication they're not saved. They're lost. Saved people know what saved them. Is that right? And they are, I don't mean that somebody tolerates the gospel. I mean they reverence it. Saved people reverence the gospel. Because that's what saved you. That was the power of God unto salvation. And saved people will never speak ill of the Jesus, the head of the church. Right? They won't speak, speak disrespectfully of him. People who have no problem mocking the scriptures and speaking disrespectfully of Jesus and God, they're lost. They're not saved. If something doesn't happen between now and when they die, they will not be with the Lord. They'll not go to heaven. Now, I know people don't, they don't like that. They don't like it that clear. But that's what the scripture teaches. We could show you a dozen scriptures along that line. Maybe we will before this is over with. But uh, that's what he's saying. People who reject the gospel and good doctrine avoid that. Verse 18, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. They don't serve Jesus. They serve their belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. How many think that does not sound like something you want to do? Serve your belly. Now go with me. (laughs) Go with me to uh, Philippians, please. The third chapter. Kind of quiet today. Are you? Maybe you're thinking. You're you're focused. Is that what it is? Let's concentrate. Philippians three thirteen. We'll say that anyway. Philippians three thirteen. It's a good confession. He said, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do: forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark." For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. If in anything you be otherwise minded. God will reveal this to you. He said in verse 17. Be followers of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. 
For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation, that word's the word for citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're born again, and, and if you're born again, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lord said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Hallelujah. Well, who, who is on the roster of citizenship in heaven? Those whose name is in the Lamb's book of life, your citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah. From which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who shall change our vile body. Now that, that's a King James word, vile. And it's also translated in the same King James Bible, made low or lowly, lowly. You don't want to despise your body. We were already talking about that. But you realize my body right now is in a lowly condition. It is in a corruptible condition. Once it reaches its peak of youth, it starts to fade and grow old and even decay and it gets dirty and it doesn't smell good and on and on. It's in a lowly condition. But that doesn't mean it's vile and you despise it. But he will change our lowly body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. This is some of the best news you ever heard. Say it out loud. My body, this body will be made just like Jesus' glorified body. Now, man, after he was raised from the dead, he went to heaven. He came back. The doors were locked. He came through a wall. He appeared in a different form. Now, I don't know how far it is from earth to the throne, but I figure a long ways. <laughs> is that right? And I don't know what speed he was moving, but I think it's faster than any plane I've ever been in or you've been in. Maybe beyond light. I don't know. But he went there. He came back. He walked down the road with some of his disciples. They didn't even recognize him at first. And then they did recognize him. And then they could touch him. He said to Thomas, you know, put your uh, hand, your finger in this uh, print of the nail and, and put your hand. They could touch him. He said, a, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone like you see me have. They could see him. They could, he's, they, see, they're still debating, is he even real or not? He said, give me something to eat. 
Didn't he say that? Give me something to eat. Ate some fish. Didn't he? Ate some honeycomb, whatever it was, you know. That's what you and I have got to look forward to. This body is going to come up to a whole nother plane. It'll be a spiritual body that you can touch and you can feel, but can also move at incredible speeds that can go through walls that can take on different form. How'd you like to just get up in the morning and shake your head and have a perfect style? (laughs) And maybe tomorrow have a different one. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect face. Perfect smile. Perfect hair. You don't have to worry about getting too heavy or getting too thin or getting too weak or getting too old. You're done with that. Done with all that. Because that was curse. That was death. And now you're done with that. You're out of that. This is not fairy tale. This is the word. And I believe it. Do you? I believe it. Now notice though he said. There were people. Whose end is destruction. And whose God is their belly. How many think that sounds like a poor God? Listen to some other translations. It said their God is their stomach. The, uh, in the New Living says their God is their appetite. And the New Century says they do whatever their bodies want. Now, the word belly, if you look up the, the original word, it means hollow. Hollow. And when he says belly, he is talking about eating, but he's talking about more than eating. He's talking about appetite. And he's talking about craving. He's talking about desires. And there are many people who serve their belly and whose God is their belly. Many people in our generations today. And in fact, the world is teaching people to serve their belly. What do you mean? The ungodly world is teaching and even demanding that your desires tell you what you are. Your desires and your appetite, your craving, reveals who you are and what you are. And that you are, basically there are no desires that you're supposed to try to suppress You're supposed to follow them. Well, that's serving them. Can you see that? I want you to say it out loud. My belly belly is not my God. My My appetites appetites don't control me. me. See, isn't that what the Spirit of God was saying through Paul? They were saying, all things are lawful. Everything's permissible. He said, yeah, but you shouldn't be brought under the control of anything. You shouldn't be brought under the mastery of anything. Go with me to uh, Matthew, if you would, the sixth chapter. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, and I believe it's verse uh, 24 or so. Yeah, Matthew 6, 24. Before we read it, let me read a couple of phrases to you about the belly and appetite. 
Now again, it means more than just eating and food. Belly, the word means hollow. And trying to fill the hollow is a a futile endeavor. Listen to uh, Ecclesiastes 6, 6, 6-7 says, All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. I said, well, yeah, I mean, I I ate and got full yesterday. Okay, so are you done now? (laughs) Now, you did not solve the appetite thing forever. You only momentarily, temporarily satiated it. The NIV says, all man's efforts are for his mouth, yet his appetite is never satisfied. Proverbs 27.20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, and so the eyes of man are never satisfied. And what you find is people trying to fill a spiritual hunger with a natural thing. And that's why addictions form, and that's why they are unending. Because you cannot satisfy a spiritual desire with any amount of drug or drink or food or sex or money or possessions. It's a hollow that will never be filled. But that's all the world knows. They don't believe in God. So they don't believe in a God who made us. Who can satisfy us? So they're looking to fill the hollow with some natural thing. And insisting that your desires determine what you are and who you are. But that's serving another God, that's serving your own belly. That's letting your belly be your God. It wants something, so you go after it. It wants more of it, so you get more of it. And you see people with addictions. I mean, they'll shoot people, kill people for $20 to get another fix. What are they trying to do? Fill the hollow. So what's governing them? What's driving them? They're not serving God. Jesus is not their God. Jesus did not tell them to do that. Their appetite, their desire, their belly is their God. In in Matthew 6, 24. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Is that true or not? Say it out loud. Can't do it. What does that mean? How many gods can you have? You can't have two. You can try it, but it won't last. You'll wind up with one or the other. Cannot do two simultaneously. Either he'll hate the one and love the other. He'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, why didn't he just say money? 
Well, did you know money, the love of money, the scripture says, is the root of all kinds of evil. Why? The love of paper with ink? No, it ain't the love of paper. What is it? It's the love of what money can get you. Not the paper itself. Not not just the number on the account. It's what you imagine I can fulfill my desire. Can you see that? I can make my belly happy if I got enough money. Now when we say belly, again, we're not just talking about only eating. We're talking about sex. We're talking about eating. We're talking about that which the body craves or wants or reaches for. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And people that don't have money can imagine if I had enough money, I could get it. I could be it. I could do that. I could go that. I could enjoy it. I could party. I could do this. People would like me. I could have friends. I'd buy friends. I could get in the upper circles. You know, I could hobnob with movie stars, this and that. And it's possible you could. But you'll still be hollow on the inside when you go home and lay down in your big mansion. And you realize the only reason they're hanging around you is because of your money. They don't even like you. They don't even want to be around you. You're on your eighth spouse. Nobody can live with you. You can't live with them. Nothing will fill that hollow except God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry heart. Can you say amen? That's what the scripture is talking about in Ephesians. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When you're full of joy and you're full of peace and you're full of life and you know God's happy with you, pleased with you, the sky is bluer. The grass is greener. Do you know it? <laughs> and you got something stronger than these physical cravings. Say it again. My belly is not my God. I don't serve my belly. Our desires don't determine who we are and what we are. Is it possible to desire something that's wrong? Yes. Yeah, it is. Something you shouldn't have, something you shouldn't pursue. Is that possible? Yes. How would you know that? Because you have a God. Hallelujah. Jesus is your master. He told you this is right, this is wrong. And so that supersedes any desire. That you have, if you have a desire that's contrary to what he says is good and right, then that desire is denied and starved. And when a desire is starved, it gets weaker. 
When a desire is fed, it gets stronger. And that's why it dominates and governs people's thoughts and, and lives. But if you'll starve it long enough, you'll get to the place where you start starving it instead of feeding it. You'll get to the place where you'll go half a day and not even think about that thing. Amen. You keep starving it, you'll go three days. Not even think about it. You keep starving it, you'll go a whole month. Won't even think about it. Can you see? You're free. But you can't just have a vacuum. You've got to be filled with something else. Filled with Him. Right? Filled with His life. Filled. You, got, you need to not be idle either. You need to be busy. Is that right? Working for Him. Somebody says, what do I do? we got teams working everywhere. Glad you asked. Go back. Sign up. Get to it. We'll put you to work. Is that right? How many know that's so much better than sitting around the house being mad because of something you don't have? Sitting there daydreaming, lusting about something that you want. No, come on and get busy working for the Lord. Is that right? This life will soon be past. You don't want to waste your days, you know, pining over something, trying to fill that hollow in your belly. (laughs) You know, I thought this was interesting. The Spirit of God through Paul wrote a letter to Titus who was one of his young ministers, whom he left in Crete. Now still the island of Crete is still called Crete over by Greeks. And notice what he says about them. He said one of themselves, Titus 1.12, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Now Cretans, that, that's from people that live on the island of Crete. And, you know, we've even developed phraseology. Uh, you calling somebody a Cretan today is not a compliment. But, but what the next verse says, verse 13, he said, this witness is true. Whoa. They're what? Liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Paul said, happens to be true. <laughs> Amplified says, they are always liars, hurtful beasts, idle and lazy gluttons. And Titus 1.5, he said, that's why I left you in Crete, that you should set things in order and put elders in every... He left Titus there to get this butt straightened out. Because they had a bunch of them that were serving their belly and not serving God. Serving their appetites. Serving their fleshly desires. Now, we'll stand out in the world if we don't pursue our own fleshly desires, but the flesh can keep you from serving God. It can get in your way. It can rob you of your reward. It can mess up your life. Yield to your flesh enough, you'll mess up your relationships, lose your job, lose your occupation, lose your wealth. Remember what the scripture said in 1 Corinthians 9? Put it on the screen for us. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Let's put 26 up there as well. I run, not as uncertainly. I fight, not as one that beats the air. I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. This sounds very different from serving your belly. This is controlling it. Do we need to control this body? Do we? 
If Paul said he needed to control his. We would say, he said, I keep under my body. We would say it like this, I keep my body under control. It's probably how we'd say it today. And I bring it into subjection. Now that word is, that's not waiting on it to submit. That's subjecting it. It's a strong word. One translation says, I beat it black and blue. (laughs) Now, don't take that and hurt your body. And we already talked about abusing your body. But you got to get rough with yourself sometimes. Is that right? You got to get yourself by the ear and say, now look at here. We're not going to do this. I don't care. You can cry all you want. You can whine all you want. No, the word says this. So this is not happening. You, you got to or else he said, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He said, if I don't keep my body under control. I could, even after I have preached, and I might add so wonderfully and ministered so wonderfully, he had, I could wind up on the spiritual junk heap. I could wind up disqualified and rejected. What? For yielding to my body and not controlling it. If Paul had to control his body, we got to control our bodies. Is that right? And not every desire is okay to follow. We've got to examine it in line with the Word of God. And if it's contrary to God's Word and will, we've got to starve that desire. Not feed it. Certainly not yield to it. But starve it until it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And because my body is not just for eating, it's not just for sex, it's not just for chasing after my belly. My body is for the Lord. Is that right? And the Lord... Is for my body. Finish reading in closing, I think, there, Matthew 6, 24 and 25. Matthew 6. He said, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. Who's your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? I want to hear it from everybody in the house. I want to hear it from everybody. Who is your Lord? Jesus. Are you your own Lord? No. Is your belly your Lord? No. No. Say it out loud. Jesus. Jesus. Is. Is. My one and only Lord. My one and only Lord. I have no other Lord. I have no other Lord. I serve. I serve. No other God. No other God. This is. It doesn't get much more important than this. No man, Jesus said, can serve two masters. He'll hate one, love the other, hold, cling to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And what we already talked about, why mammon? Why is money such a big deal? Because people imagine or think or know that they can help satisfy their cravings with money. They can get what they want with money. But it'll never be enough. Verse 25 Therefore, I say to you, now did you notice the therefore? This all goes together. Therefore, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, which means you don't need to be thinking about what you're going to eat all day long. Is that right? That's right. (laughs) Now you're laughing, but just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. You can go to bed 
thinking about what you're going to eat for breakfast. And then you can go to work and all morning thinking about what you're going to eat for break. Is that right? And what you're going to eat for lunch. And then you're thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner. And then supposed to be doing something else, but you're thinking about, was there something in the fridge? Was there something here? You, you can be thinking about, right? And you got to watch because that's a, that's a lot of belly. That's a lot of belly influence. And it doesn't have to be food. It can be something else. Is that right? It can be sex. It can be lust for money and things. It can be something else that's an appetite of the flesh. And that still winds up, you know, following your belly, listening to your belly, serving your belly, and putting your belly on the throne. <laughs> this guy, that's a sad God, man. Is that right? That is a sad God. But I didn't make this up. This is what scripture said. Their God is their belly. Why? Because that's what they serve. Keep, keep reading. He said, uh, therefore, because you can't serve two masters, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. I know that sometimes you have to take a moment and think about, you know, what the meal is going to be and, and this and that or where we're going to eat. But it should not be all day. Is that right? Or half day or even hours at a time. And same thing with your clothes. Same thing with the things that pertain to the body. Is not the life more than food? And the body is more than clothes. Then say it out loud. Jesus is my master. Jesus is my master. Not my flesh. Not my belly. Life is more than food. Is that right? Yes. And the body is more than clothes. So you can see with both of these, you can put too much emphasis on food or clothes. I've heard people say, well, you know, if I can't eat what I want to eat, then what's life worth living? Oh. <laughs> now you're laughing, but, but even if people don't say it, they kind of they get that way. No, the life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes, and I don't serve those things, I serve Jesus. Can you say amen? He is my one and only Lord and Master. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.